It's all in the way you say it. Next on Principles and Policies. Welcome to today's edition of Principles and Policies. I'm your host, Barry Sheets, the Executive Director of the Institute for Principled Policy. And along with me today is our co-host, the Vice Chairman of the Institute, my fellow analyst and very good friend, Chuck Mike. Great to be back with you, Barry, even though this day, which is April 29th, 2021, it's crummy outside. It's majorly crummy outside. Oh, now don't you know, Chuck, April showers bring Bring May May flowers. flowers. And so... We're going to end up having a bumper crop of flowers after this May, well, after this April shower. Sadly, it'll be the little yellow ones that come up in your yard that you really don't want. The dandelions? Yes. We'll just pick them all and make wine out of there them. There you go. You know, or or whatever, or dandelion greens or whatever you like to do. My, my granddaughters love dandelions. I like the, the when they're the, in the yellow phase. When they're in the white puffball spa- stage, not so much. Yeah. Get out. <laughs> Not Get so out of here. But, you know, you have to go from one thing to the other sometimes. That's the way life cycles work. You start with them looking very pretty and yellow, and then they turn that whitey puffy, and then they're all over the place again, and you're out there with a little garden hand spade trying to dig them up out of your yard. Because <laughs> Now, I was at a friend's place, and, of course, it was one of these newer communities where it's like the custom mills, yeah. and they get the lot, and then they come out, and they they seed the, the yard. Mm-hmm. Well, it turns out they probably should have been more careful where they got their seed from <laughs> because every spring, my buddy's backyard turned into a dandelion nursery. Yes. <laughs> I have never seen as many dandelion plants in a, in a yard. There was more dandelion than grass. We had that problem in in Westerville when we lived there. We actually had to come in with a with a special spray, kill all that part of the yard. Guess and what my buddy had re, to do? Replant it. Guess yeah. what my buddy had to do? Exact same thing. And still they came up. Oh yeah, and still they because rise. they're hardy and dig them out. Good luck. The, the, and still they rise. <laughs> the tap roots are like a foot deep, and a half deep, long. Yeah, deep, they're man. really deep, and you can't pull them. But here's the here's the nice thing though is when we get a real heavy soaker rain like this, especially with the fact that we're going to stay in the 70s and 80s, if you got time over the weekend, now'd be a good time to go out and get all your dandelion plants out because the roots will be in wet soil and you can pull them out a little bit now. But they're very fragile roots, so when very. you go to pull them, they break off and then you can't get to them. And then guess what? They're like any other perennial plant. They will regrow. They'll regrow. And they'll regrow. It's like the old myth of the hydra. That's cut right. Up, cut, off cut off one, one head, head, two, two grow, grow back. Yeah. Cut, cut off one dandelion or pull up one dandelion, five will show back. Yeah, up. one of the labors of Hercules. Yeah, kill the hydra. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It was the Herculean um, myth. That's right. There used to be a guy, and I can't remember his name now. I can't remember the show, but he was on Saturdays. You know, he was one of the garden guys. Okay. The yeah. garden somebody. He was he was an older guy, and he'd come on, and he'd, he, he'd always have these pithy sayings. One of the things was a weed is just something we haven't figured out how to use in a cultivated garden yet. And I'm like, well, you can keep spreading that propaganda if you like. It's something that gets in your yard and you don't want. That's right. That's basically what a weed is. <laughs> yeah, we're not talking about our gardens here. We're talking but, about our yards. But there are people who raise certain types of weeds for their whether their, their medicinal purposes or oh, yeah. food supplementation well, dandelion purposes. dandelion greens have a medicinal purpose. Yes. All kinds of different. Burdock, for, burdock. for example, is really yeah. great for burns and things like that. Well, of course, we also grow aloe for that. Well, as if you've been listening to the advertisements that come on before and after the show, I have an ad that runs for my company, Rain Rock Nutritionals. Warning, shameless plug ahead. That's right, shameless plug ahead. And we, we use a lot of herbal products. Well, those herbals develop because people in, in past times noticed that certain things would happen. For instance, the people 
bear aspirin. Mm-hmm. You've all heard of bear aspirin. Be- Dr. Bear is the guy who isolated acetyl salicylic acid. Where do you, where did he isolate that from? Do you remember? No, not offhand. White willow bark. Oh, okay. It's a white willow bark extract. Okay. And they noticed that native peoples and that kind of thing were using that as an anti-inflammatory and an analgesic, meaning a pain deadener. Okay. And uh, so they decided to see what it was and the, the what they came up with in typical German fashion. Dr. Bear was German uh, and very meticulous, methodical methodology. He figured out that the active ingredient was acetyl salicylic acid. And therefore, that's why you buy bear aspirin in a pill form. And uh, it's in your most people still have aspirin. They've stopped using it for a lot of things, especially in little kids because of Rye syndrome. But nonetheless, there are all kinds of stuff that have medicinal properties, and not all of it has been elucidated yet. Now, at one time, one of those weird mythological things that's grown up is the idea that the cure for cancer is in the Amazon rainforest. Mm -hmm. How many times have you heard that? I've heard that a number of times. Dozens of times, yeah. There was even a movie with uh, James Bond, um, the actor. Sean Connery. Sean Connery. Sean Connery, okay. where he goes down. He's There's he's, been a number of James Bond actors, but okay. Uh, the, the the only real. The, the real, uh, the real James one. Bond. That's no, right. I, actually, I like Daniel Craig. But that uh, going on from that, there's a movie, and he goes down to the Amazon rainforest to, to police some researcher that's down there. And, uh, it's, you know, it's a big deal about how they're discovering this cure for cancer. Sure. Maybe there is, and maybe there isn't. It's based on the idea, I mean, even even those who are staunch, pharmaceutical, the stuff you can uh, sort of make up out of, out of uh, whatever chemicals you have on hand to make this uh, some new drug that you can patent and make zillions of dollars on, mm-hmm. still grows out of the idea that some of this stuff occurs naturally. And mm-hmm. it, actually, in its natural form, it's usually much safer and much more healthy for you, especially... In cases where uh, we, in Western medicine, we've got this idea that we have to isolate the single active ingredient from an herb. Well, there very often isn't a single active ingredient. There's one that will do the main job. Right. But the other stuff that does the other things like make the first thing non-toxic aren't there. If you do the extracts, if you're just simply doing an extract for a specific substance, there sometimes that's very useful and sometimes it's not. Sometimes there are secondary items that do another job that you need to have done at the same time. Yep. And it's that way in other things as well, to kind of segue, but you know, there are if we look for a single thing that's going to fix everything and human beings have that sort of a thing. If if let's find the one thing that's going to work. Mm-hmm. That's right. Is it very often one thing that works? No. It's usually a combination of things. That's right. There are a combination of things, and because it works one place doesn't mean it's going to work someplace else. It's like a trying to we, – we have spent decades trying to force constitutional government into places that do not have the societal configuration to make it work. Is it the best form of government? Yes. Are the people ready for it necessarily in those areas? No, they're not. We've been trying to do this in the Middle East now for, well, since uh, before World War One. How's it working out? 
Not so well. No. How many lives have been lost because people want to hold on to their systems that work for them and they don't want anything to do with the system that they claim has corrupted the West? Well, we keep trying to export democracy to a lot of places around the globe, and they all seem to resist it Yes, to some extent or the other. Um, you can name places that picked it up, but it took a while. I mean, yeah, basically yeah, in, India for one place, but even they've got resistors. Um, True. But uh, they seem to have uh, – but in order to do that, they had to actually all but abandon their – at least in the elite – ruling areas they had to abandon their uh, uh religious um foundations yeah i mean it's true. W- when you talk to people who are involved indians who are um um you know are involved in science and and uh, uh government and those kinds of things you'll find that yeah they may cling to a bit of it but they've essentially abandoned hinduism well that's a good thing now isn't it oh well but what have they picked up in its place? Secularism. Yeah, there's there's the old there's the old uh, uh, pro, uh, uh, not a proverb. It's a uh, uh, <laughs> I'm having a parable. Parable where okay. uh, Jesus talks about the the uh, the spirit that's forced out of its home. Right, and it goes off where he goes off into the desert, into the dry place. Yep, and and he, to seek solace, you know, because he's lost his home. He says, you know, eventually he turns around and says, I'm going to go home and see what's there. So he goes back to his original home, which is the person he was thrown out of, and he finds the place clean, cleaned out and swept up. And then he moves back in and he brings his friends with him. He brings more. What does that mean? That means that person, yes, they clean things up. All right. They abandon some of their sin. But right. what did they bring in? Others to take its place. They didn't, they didn't bring anything. They didn't fill the space back up with the Holy Spirit. That's why it got filled back and up. And that's by why it got filled up with with the old ones come back and make it worse. It, it's uh, um, that's one of the problems that you run into. I'm not saying the Indians are bad people. Don't get me wrong, man. That that's not the point. The point is that. I would much have preferred that that they replace that secularism with, which is a form of emptiness in itself, with something solid like Christ, uh, which is part of our our thing. But going back to that, again, when we opened, we talked about one thing. And some people think that, well, if we just get them off this or onto this, things that you'll you'll be, you know, you'll be cured. Mm -hmm. And you're not. Right. And you're not. Um, you know, in our business, we never talk about cures. We never talk about cures. A, some some diseases well, have. Aren't you prohibited from doing so well, by FDA yeah. regulations? But even if I wasn't, <laughs> even if I wasn't, you can't talk about cures in things like, for instance, diabetes. Can you cure diabetes? No. Why not? It's a metabolic disease. Can you treat uh, diabetes? Well, sure. yes, sure you can. Sure you can. Um, yep. There are, are many, many methods of treating diabetes. I'm I'm doing a combination of uh, uh, standard medicine and um, herbal medicines, and mm-hmm. and, and um, herb, not herbal medicines, but herbal 
supplementation and other things. And it's uh, um, it's serving me pretty well. Um, everybody in my family is a type 2 diabetic. All my, all my siblings are type 2 diabetics. I'm, I am as well. My uh, father was almost for certain. My grandparents were. Um, so it runs in the family. It's a metabolic disease. Mm-hmm. And every time somebody comes to me and, and I'll, I'll get these ads, I see them on YouTube, I see them on the internet, Cure di- this will cure your diabetes. No, it will not. Now, I know what would happen if I went out and said uh, one of the things that I, I use for to help control blood sugar that I make um, is a cure. I'd have the FDA on me like, um, you know, like flies on dirt. Yep. They'd be all over me. Um, why are people on the Internet getting away with it? Well, they've got a lot of money behind them, and, and the FDA goes for little people first. They get the big guys after they've gotten all the little guys out of the way. Why? Because the big guys have money, and they can hire attorneys, and they can drag it out and make it last for years. They still lose, but nonetheless, they can make things ugly. This is what we have to keep in mind about these kinds of things. When people come and and say things, I know this is a big shock, especially if it's on the Internet. It's not necessarily true. Well... That doesn't stop them. It's a, the old advertisement. <laughs> it about, stop them. The old advertisement <laughs> with the the uh, uh, the the blonde, the pretty blonde girl who basically talks about how everything on the internet is true. Yeah. And then uh, you know the guy says, "Where'd you hear that?" On the internet. On the internet, of course. Yeah. That's right. So the circular reasoning, and then yeah. she, then I she think she they call that the echo chamber. Yeah. Then all of a sudden, her date shows up, and he's this little short, like shriveled. Uh, really not a very attractive man and, and uh she's a real tall blonde and he and uh um he's a french model and the guy goes uh bonjour bonjour <laughs> so where'd you meet him on the internet on the internet <laughs> french model yeah that's right so there you go oh my god well you know that's very interesting that you say that you basically sometimes you don't get what you think you get because you're told one thing and you find out it's actually another I think we experienced that as a nation last night. <laughs> we're recording <laughs> yeah, this on Thursday. Be. And uh, as you know, last night, Wednesday night, we had our first state of the dis- I mean, union. I almost said disunion. I should have said that. Uh, speech from our current sitting. Okay, Chuck. I, resident. I, resident, because yeah, I'm not right. calling him the Doug, other name because he's not. Doug uh, Wilson calls him the resident. The, the resident. <laughs> that's right. The resident. Um so the resident spoke last night and basically had one recurring thing. Well, actually had two recurring themes, both of which are completely erroneous. The first recurring theme was, and Chuck, can you guess what it was? It had something to do with uh, the uh, vaccination. No, it has nothing to do with that. Oh. It has something to do with another topic that is tearing our country apart right now. He basically made the claim and then reiterated it at least 10 different times in his little speech that America suffers from systemic racism. Racism. Oh, my gosh. Now, Charles, and I'm sure our listeners, every last one of us, are sitting there wondering what in the world are they talking about when they use these termino- this terminology because, you know, it's one of these things that 
I, I know as a Christian believer, I don't look at someone's skin color. I don't look at their ethnicity. I don't look at those backgrounds to make determinations on their worth and their value because we're all created in the image of God. We are all formed after his likeness. We all have the potentiality, I guess, if you want to say it, of being good people. We're not born good. Let's put. It, let's be honest. We're yes, all we are all born into an original sin. So none of us are inherently good, and so all of us fail, and all of us fall short of the glory of God. But that failure and that falling short has nothing to do with where you were born, what nationality you are, or how much melanin you possess in your skin pigment. But that's the problem with the progressive left. That's all they can see. That's, and so they frame everything in terms of this clash. They create this obscene, artificial, yeah. chaotic dichotomy. And then they pump that out there as if that's the cause of all the problems. And only we, the progressive left, have the solution for it. And the solution for it is more government control more loss of your freedoms and your ability to speak your mind or to associate with whom you want to, or even to petition government for redress of grievances. And I'm going to tell you about something that's happened here in Ohio on that point here just shortly. So hold on to that one. (laughs) But but the resident last night spent the time, and yes, we all know he was well past his bedtime because the speech didn't start till 9 o'clock last night Eastern time. And everybody makes the jokes that, you know, Joe, Sleepy Joe was probably well past his bedtime. <laughs> uh, and, and you're probably right. But he came across this whole idea that America is just this pit of nasty racism, and it's inherent in everything we do, Chuck, just because America's evil. It's, we're just bad. The whole country's bad. And only the liberal progressives can pull us out of the evil of that racist thing called capitalism, that racist thing called freedom, that racist thing called autonomy, that racist thing called sovereignty, and lead us to the utopia of complete governmental control Marxism. Yeah. uh, Which is where they're heading to. World government. And world government. And world government. Well, that's where they're heading to. And folks, don't sit there and say, oh, I I think you're just being, you're overblowing it. Folks, I challenge you to think back a year ago. Well, actually, think back a little bit longer because this is where the real the real idiocy started happening was back in March a year ago. Let's think back two years ago. What was life like two years ago? Were people, regardless of their skin color, having more opportunities in this country or less? Oh, more. By far. Were people in this country having greater abilities to set their own course in life or less ability now look where we are today yeah i mean folks we sat here wondering you know what's the next thing coming down the pike what's the next executive order what's the next horrible decision now that was the other lie he kept talking about because he kept talking about jobs chuck this is from a guy in his first hundred days in office has destroyed more jobs in the first hundred days in office than most presidents can create in four, in their, year, in in four years of a four term. Year term. Yeah, that's true. Um, he, I mean, he's destroyed multiple construction jobs, uh, pipe layers, welders, 
um, surveyors, construction workers, car manufacturers, car manufacturing, uh, retail, you name it. Go down the list. All of these policies that are he's putting in place, especially the ones shutting down our domestic oil production, and basically making us re-dependent upon the, the, the Middle Eastern oil. It, folks, go. What's today's, what's today's going rate for a gallon of gas right now for cheap unleaded? Well, today we just passed the thing. I think it was 277.9. It's been as high as three, uh, just Over two, three. 299. Here, it was about 299.9. I saw it at 304 one place uh, going up. So welcome to what's happening yeah. here. And do you think that that has a chilling effect on be, on jobs, industry production, the cost of goods, being able to get things to market like food and other things without the prices going up? Oh, I know it does. I, you, you and I both know it does. Absolutely. Because think about this. One of the things uh, um, you and I both do is ship. We ship things. You ship out of your business. I ship out of my business. Yeah. Um. My costs keep going up on shipping. I'm sorry. I just every, every, every time I turn around, it's an, there's another wrinkle with the post office about okay. what they're raising rates on. I use it's not just the post office. It, UPS is outrageous. Yeah, uh, there are places in the country that are relatively easily accessible. Uh, once UPS uh, attaches a fuel surcharge, which is right. three or four bucks on a package. Yep. Uh, the uh, rural delivery charge, the residential delivery charge. Uh, dimensional weight, a package, a like a two-pound package to to places all around the country, and like say Zone Four, which is you know pretty close in. Yeah, uh, seventeen or eighteen dollars. Right. Even the post office for a priority mail package, uh, put it in a padded flat rate envelope, eight bucks. Mm-hmm. It hasn't been that long since that was like under five dollars. Oh yeah, right. Absolutely. Um, we are rapidly devolving into a, a. If you don't think an inflationary spiral is here, then you haven't really. It hasn't caught all sectors yet. But it's but, coming. But you can see it in log, what they call logistics, delivery costs. Once those delivery costs start going up, we're also seeing it in, in raw material in availability. Oh, yeah. Have you priced lumber lately? Oh, my God! For those of you who are planning maybe a summer project to build that deck or add on to your your house or to build that shed or do something, you better think about quadrupling the budget that you have right now because that's what's happened to the cost of lumber. Okay. As recently as two months ago, the cost and the way they calculate this in lumber is by 100 board feet. So 100, right. 100 board feet of lumber for the cost. Up, not more than a couple of months ago, the going cost for 100 board feet of lumber was about $300 or $3 a board foot, which, yeah, yeah and that's for good construction grade. Lumber. Real lumber. L- yeah. Real lumber. Not, yeah, it's not for the not fancy stuff. Not the twos stuff. and better junk that you find at Home Depot. Right, not, not the knockoff <laughs> stuff that, that they, they know the, the weekend warriors are going to use. The ones that a contractor would use. That going rate now, Chuck, is over $1,300 a hundred board feet. What? Yes. I just had a conversation with the contractor that we use. Because we're talking about doing some repairs and some upgrades to our garage. And he was like, I don't know to tell you to hold off on that or to get on it before it doubles, doubles again. again. Well, listen, I was I went out to get the mail yesterday. Yeah. And no, knowing full well what, what these are going. Here in my ditch is laying a 12-foot 
really nice number two or number two um, two by four. Did you pick it up and bring it home oh, with you? You bet I did, man. It's like it's like finding a twenty dollars in the or well, more than that. It's more than twenty bucks now. Yeah, that's it's like problem. finding you know twenty a twenty in the parking lot. That's right. It's like no, I, I that's pulled up by the house. I'm going to take it down to my storage and dry it out because there's not an it's fourteen twelve or fourteen feet long. It doesn't have a knot in it. Oh my! Well, good. So some trucks lost that along Somebody the drive. Somebody dropped yeah. that along. The, that was on its way to a construction zone. Probably so. Yeah. Um, and he, I, I don't know. Who knows? He's probably combing up and down the road to wonder find, where to that find his missing two by four. Find his missing twenty five dollars. That's right. But uh, yeah, I, it, it, I noticed it. I went to price four by fours because I needed to to a, do a job on a building that I built last year. We need to sure. shore it up a little bit. Um. And uh, my gosh, a a a Home Depot two and better, which is like right. about a number four, um, a four by four of ten feet. Yes. Uh, no, eight feet. Okay. Was fifteen dollars. Fifteen. Yep. Uh, I last year I could have gotten the same thing for about nine bucks. Right. Exactly. So it's almost doubled. Yeah. Um, folks. This is the consequences of bad policy. Okay, this is the consequences of basically Joe Biden uh, I- introducing and pushing the Green New Deal through executive orders. This is the cost when you cut off our domestic oil supply, so that the costs of getting fuel and things for equipment and other things that make all of the other products that we use much more expensive to do. We don't live in an isolated environment, Chuck. We live in a cause and effect world. A cause, the effect of which we see the cause being Joe Biden writing executive orders to appease his liberal progressive special interests. The effects, you and I are having a much tougher time, and you out there listening to us, are going to have a much tougher time making ends meet being able to provide for your families, being able to do the things that you need to do for your for yourself, and then what happens? Then government comes along and says, "Oh, we'll take care of it for you. We'll don't fix worry, it. we'll fix it. We'll go regulate it some more because we know it really is just the fault of all these greedy companies, you know, wanting wanting to be a profit taker." And it's like, how can they be a profit taker when the government's basically overregulating them to start with? Well, going back to our thing about it's not just one thing. Yeah, that's I, right. I talked to my accountant this week. Uh, you know, we have to get our taxes done and all that stuff. Right. So I was talking to him, and and he said we got off on the on the, uh, the subject of things that are going on, and one of the things we came up with is you know one of the reasons why when you go out to eat you can't get a seat it's not because of a lack of seating, it's because of a lack of help. Right. In the kitchen. Right. And out front why is there a lack of help in the kitchen and out front not just there at the grocery be, store because, it's, name because it's more lucrative to be on unemployment right now than it is to work a job the government keeps handing out subsidies where people make more money being unemployed than they can make at work i've also heard that we're supposed to expect another round of stimulus soon well the stimulus we're getting is a joke because it's it's not, remember in the old at first it wasn't needs based Right. They just sent you fourteen hundred bucks. Right. Per tax you know, per taxpayer. Yeah. Um I think Jenny and I last time everybody else was getting fourteen hundred. I think we got 
$693. And you know what? I didn't need the $693. God has been very gracious to us. As somebody asked me early on, I remember in the old days, in the early part of this, have you been deemed to be necessary to the economy? Yep. And I said, yes, I have, but I, uh, not by the government. And they go, what do you mean? And I said, I deemed myself necessary to my economy. Therefore, I refuse to close. Now, if I was on a list someplace, or, you know, if my form of business was on a list someplace, I don't know because I didn't go look it up. I just said, I'm not closing, yep. period. But a lot of people did close. I mean, uh, movie theaters have just opened back, started opening back up. And I, uh, my uh, think about that. I don't know how AMC and some of these big theater owners haven't gone bankrupt. I just don't know how. I don't know how Hollywood hasn't gone bankrupt because the only way they've been able to release new movies is on pay-per-view. Well, do you buy pay-per-view movies? Movies? No, I don't. I can't. I actually my uh, okay. I I admit I don't go to a theater either. I don't spend the money there either. I haven't been to a theater. The last thing I saw at the theater is they will not grow old. The World War One documentary. Okay, that was worth every nickel what I paid to go see it because it was in three D. Mm, okay. Um, and if if you haven't seen it and you get a chance to see it on the big screen, yep. I rec highly recommend that movie because they uh, they took old World War One films that were done on hand-cranked cameras. And they literally went through and digitized them. And they went through and actually uh, matched the frame count to correct it. It looks like a modern film. Then they layered it so that, for instance, uh, in 3D, mm -hmm. uh, there are people in the foreground, people in the, like tanks in the background moving. And it's in 3D. You can see the people doing what they're doing in the front and the tanks going by. and It's spectacular. It really is. And the information is stunning. They, they actually took a, a film without sound and figured out what uh, someone was being read a decree. And they got a lip reader in there. And they started, and they go, oh, that's the decree from such and such a date. And they went out and found it and got somebody to record a dub. Cool. Uh, it was honestly, yeah, it was spectacular. It really was. That being said, that's that's the kind of stuff I'll go to the theater for. Sure. Well, and, I, I, and, I I appreciate that. Yeah. And am I going to waste money on a uh, on a on some junk like uh, you know these Captain America or you know uh, uh, the, the stuff that's all pushing the, the same thing that the that the liberal progressive yeah, left it, is pushing right now? Exactly. No. no, I I won't. I will not put money in Hollywood coffers. They've got plenty of people who will do it, but it's a shrinking uh, market. Yep. Be simply because people can watch it at home. Yeah, and I think that that's been one of the – probably I think it's one of the benefits of, of what we've been going through with the coronavirus stuff, and that is that I think people have changed their patterns a little bit. A lot in a lot of cases. But some of the is for the better. A lot, yeah. Okay, so instead of mindlessly chasing after entertainment – we're now getting a little bit more, many, I won't say all, but many are getting more thoughtful about what they're doing, what they're bringing in, what they're watching, what they're listening to, how they're spending their free time, 
because let's be honest, even with people working from home, they found that they've got more free time because when you don't have to waste the time, you know, getting ready, putting on all the suits and everything else, hopping in a vehicle, doing the commute, finding the parking, and then going into the office to get set up for the day. And you can just, in many instances, hop right out of bed and onto the computer. You tend to be more productive and you tend to be able to get things done a little quicker. I know I've been feel I saw that. Yeah. And I'm sure others did too. And people, well, it was a, okay. I'm not a big fan of having to hop in the car and drive everywhere, even though I do it all the time. Um, I'm not also a big fan of, you know, having to figure out every day, okay, well, what, you know, which shirt goes with which tie, what goes with it, with <laughs> yeah. which suit am I going to wear? And okay. And who am I seeing today? And da, 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 da. You know, it's great because you know what? If I get on a zoom call, I can throw on a nice shirt and even a tie if I have to, but usually don't. And I'm good, you know. And then when the call's over with, I can shut it off. I can take the stupid tie off and Voila. I can get more comfortable and get back to work, you know. Exactly. There's uh, Now, I've been working at home for, oh gosh, uh, 16 years. I was going to say, yeah. Um, before that, I was in an office where I, uh, hardly anybody ever came to see me. Uh, and I was kind of solitary as my brother and I working in the same office and before that again I was at home um so uh, my office stretch went for five years now I've worked in an office before where you know yeah there was a dress code and all that stuff um and uh I I agree with you there are a lot of things that have disappeared Uh, for instance I'm not a huge sports fan Never have been. Yeah, we were talking about this earlier yeah, today. We were, one, I mean, one of the idols that has been, had, had really has taken it on the chin. Who's really paying attention to the NBA? Who's really paying attention to uh, NCAA football? Who's paying attention to the NFL? Uh, who's paying attention to Major League Baseball? Who's paying attention to the NBA? I mean, Nobody. If, I, if I hear a radio when I'm in the car, they start like rolling off the scores and stuff from the ball games. I'm like, so what? Yeah. Who cares? You know, it's like that's not important to me anymore. Right. That's been the other, I think, great wake-up call with this whole thing, and especially the government's response to it, I think has been an incredible wake-up call to a lot of people in this country that we're heading, we've been heading in the wrong direction. We've been letting government have too much control, too much say. Yeah. And what we've been dealt back with is from Hollywood to the sports world to government. You let us make all the decisions because you're not capable of making your own decisions. I mean, when you're starting when you're when you're getting critiqued by somebody who gets paid to play with a ball about how racist you are, when that individual has had opportunity after opportunity put in front of them by other people and who has made tens if not hundreds of millions of dollars playing with a ball. Yeah. Let's not kid ourselves. You're not solving any world crises by putting up 30 points per game and X number of rebounds, etc. And it doesn't give you a platform to basically become everybody else's conscience. But that's what some of these people arrogate to themselves. Right. And LeBron James has been one of the worst. Um, and frankly, you, you heard, I don't know if you heard this thing where LeBron comes across this whole thing, you know, especially, and, and it related to all the stuff we talked about last week with the, the stabbings that went on in the police shooting and everything right. here in Columbus. 
and some of the stuff around the country. So LeBron James has decided he's going to school everybody on, on how we should think. Well, you know what? There have been, there's been some pushback to that. And there was a sports pub owner down in Cincinnati who basically said he is not going to play a single one of the Lakers games until LeBron James apologizes or retires in his bar. It ain't going to happen. LeBron James is not going to be in it. He's actually getting more business because people are finally getting tired right. of having the Hollywood and the coastal elites try to tell everybody else how to live. Joe Biden was doing that last night. He was trying. He's trying to tell all the rest of us how to live. Okay, he's trying to tell all the rest of us that because they they found a thing in order to drive more wedges between people in the country, that somehow if we respond to it and say you're wrong, that somehow means oh they're absolutely right. You know, it's that whole idea is how do you fight a negative, right? Yeah, you know how do you respond back to a negative? You know, yeah. They say you're a racist. How do you prove you're not? Well, what's the natural response? No, I'm not. No, I'm not. Which, but what should it be? Prove, prove it. it. Prove it. Yeah, exactly. The the burden of proof is on you. You've made the accusation. Prove it. Well, okay. Well, your skin color that doesn't make me nope. a racist. Well, you you have economic advantage. I work my butt off for what I have. Barry, I saw this coming probably a quarter of a century ago. When in while I was in college, uh, and also at work, yep, people would say people of color can't be racist. Okay, and I said, well, then you, if you believe that's true, then the fact is you have redefined racism, because racism is the idea of viewing matters through the um, the lens that of that a specific race does a specific thing or has a specific set of characteristics and um that make them better than everybody else or worse than everybody else that is racism it's judging by the accident accident of skin color essentially place of birth and skin color and you can see it in the idea of, uh, we talked about this, what, two weeks ago? Whiteness and the uh, um, critical race theory. That is critical race theory. It's the idea that um, your race has something to do with the way you are. That's nonsense. Individuals do what individuals do. Do some whites think that any other color is inferior? Yes. Does that mean that every white thinks some other color is inferior and the answer is no do some blacks think that any other color is inferior my gosh barry we, we, have you noticed all of a sudden the anti-asian hate, yeah. hate thing has right. gotten quiet mm -hmm. it, it got it brewed up and it, it kind of bubbled over for a while and the here's the problem who's perpetrating most of the anti-asian hate crimes sadly it's black people why because for some reason there's an animosity in the black community for Asians thinking that Asians are taking their places in universities and and in in employment and those kinds of things it's nonsense 
Do Asians have a culture of overachievement? Yeah, in a lot of cases they do. In every case, my gosh, no. Um, it's it's an absurdity. We tend to put people in these pigeonholes. Yeah. Um, and say, well, this group is smarter than the others. Now we all have noticed that that overachievement thing. I can remember being in college. Oh gosh, uh, thirty years ago. And being in organic chemistry classes and the and the Asian guys who sat in the back and were very quiet were getting 104% on exams because they found mistakes in the exam. Well, how do you do that? You live, breathe, eat, sleep, if you take any sleep, organic chemistry. How many people, uh, you know, how many people of any other racial group are willing to do that? I'm not willing to do Almost that. Almost none. I'm not willing to do that. Almost none. Yeah. And the fact is that, that they have a, a cultural component to that. And we all have, all racial groups tend to be bunched up a little bit in their cultural, um, but it's cultural. It's not racial. Yep. Uh, okay. Yeah. And I'm say, I wanted to go through all that, and I'm glad we did, because remember I teased a little bit earlier about how we've got a situation going on right now. Okay? I don't know if you know it or not, but I think it's very... Well, first of all, let me... Before I go into that, let me just say that there was a very interesting response to the residence address last night from (laughs) U.S. Senator Tim Scott. Tim Scott, yeah. Who happens to be African-American. And who actually came forward and basically said straight up front, let me put it to you very clearly. America is not a racist nation. I mean, here's a man who has all kinds of opportunity. And if you take a look at Congress, Chuck, how many Congress people are of non-white descent? I can't tell you the exact number, but there but, are a great there are a number of them. Well, okay, well let's just go down a list of people. Oh, let's see. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Rashida yeah. Tlaib, Ayanna Pres Can I keep going? Oh, there's more. Maxine than that. Waters. Yeah. Um, you know, my mom's former congressman who just died, Alcee Hastings. Alcee Hastings, John Lewis. I mean, you go down the list. He died too. You go down um, the list. The actual representation of Congress of people who are not of Caucasian descent. It's out of proportion. Is actually larger than the percentages yeah. in the general population. So, again, a situation that if you're going to say that this country is that bad and that racist, you're kind of emphasizing the antithesis by the fact that you that that Congress body exists in the form and shape and colors that exist. That it exists, yeah. I mean, you know, Tulsi Gabbard, okay, Hawaii, who's a native Hawaiian. You know, you've got people from various backgrounds and various ethnicities, all of whom are sitting in the United States Congress. You you have there is. There is plenty of opportunity for anyone if you're willing to achieve it. But if you want someone else to give it to you or expect to have it as a result of something that you say is inherently wrong with everybody else, I don't think you... That's what Marxism's all about. Right. Foment dissatisfaction and then promise to address the dissatisfaction by having more government control. Think about it in these terms. Yeah. Uh, okay. What What is the basis of Marxism from... Uh, what What is the, 
the term that gets used, a blank struggle. A class struggle. The class, class struggle. struggle, of course. What was Hitler's uh, National Socialism, which, by the way, is socialism no matter what you've heard? Right. What's the basis of Hitler's National Socialism? Well, it was ethnic. What, what's the struggle? Ethnic purity. It's it's race struggle. Race struggle. Well, okay. I, and I'm going to stop you right there. Because I, I, the, I, and you know where I'm going to. I know where you're going. And the fact is the fact that there are no such things as races. races. We are all of one race, the human race. Scripture's clear on that. We are all of one blood, Paul tells us. We are absolutely, like I said, that's the reason why when I didn't, when I talked earlier, I didn't say anything about our race. I said about our ethnicity, our national origin, exactly. or the amount of melanin pigmentation that's in our skin. That means we all have similar things. We all have similar shapes. We all have similar forms. We all have, we all are in the same class. Yes. In the animal kingdom, we are all Homo sapien. Okay? There isn't Homo sapien white, Homo sapien African American, Homo sapien Indian Islander. Okay, because all of those classifications are your ethnicities. That's right. Or your uh, idea, or idea of who you are based upon your skin tones. That has nothing to do with your biology. There's not a nickel's worth of difference between any ethnic group. No, there's not. There, there really is There is gene expression, which is different. And you might find some minor differences in blo- way, 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 way down in blood chemistry. Yes. And the answer to that is, so what? What you've, what you've basically outlined is the point I was getting at is that Marxism yes. is... It is socialism because it's classism. Right. Nazism is socialism because it's racism. racism. Yep. That's that's where you're going with this. In other words, they're first cousins. They are. They are. Okay, so now that gets me around to what I want to talk about here locally. Okay. Chuck, you may not be aware of this. Many people aren't. Did you know that last year in July, at the height of the okay, we we tried to do two weeks to flatten the curve and we can't yeah. get the curve flattened, so now we're going to do all this stuff. We're going to mandate masks and shut businesses. So we're all focusing on that, right? Yep. Little little thing happened that very few people knew about. There was a little piece of paper that was voted on by a little body called Resolution 22. Resolution 22 was a piece of documentation that was put in front of the State Board of Education who on a 12 to 5 vote, yeah, there were 17, so it was 12 to 5 vote, adopted this little resolution. This resolution was to advance and promote into the schools by the Department of Education a little thing called the 1619 Project. Oh, my gosh, I didn't know we'd adopted and, and fra- this. And a framework called Critical Race, race Theory. theory. What are those things? I'm sh- I know you know. Yeah, critical race theory is essentially uh, viewing all things, historical, uh, name it, through the lens of race to show the power structures inherent in the, in- in the system overall. In other words, that uh, white racism permeates the system to the point where nothing, uh, there's systemic racism. Yeah, and therefore, there and therefore, all races except whites are oppressed. Mm-hmm. 
Right. By the system. Right. And the system is controlled by the whites. Even in That's pla- what no, they want to say. Even in places like Chicago, Detroit, um, name uh, Atlanta, Washington, D.C., uh, places where uh, black minorities or other minorities run the system and are majority, they are still yep. uh, essentially seen through a white filter because they're part of the power structure. We explained this a couple weeks ago. Yes. It's critical race theory. Everything, everything, everything is viewed through the lens of race. And the 1619 Project basically uh, was a thing concocted by the New York Times to push that narrative. And they ran a series of articles in the New York Times uh, that were uh, supposed to be the... um, sort of the uh, foundation for a course of studies into this problem. The problem was they were so bad, so awful, so biased, that most of them uh, were essentially poo-pooed even by people who were involved in the Mm -hmm. movement. Okay. So basically what they did was they passed this resolution, and... The resolution was basically it's to take effect in this upcoming school year because remember they passed this in July so they couldn't get it in place for the the night the, tw- the 20. 20, 2021 school year so it's supposed to take effect for this next school year coming up this fall. Well, some school districts, especially in the larger urban areas, have already embraced it, embraced yeah. this yeah. wholeheartedly, and they're pushing this in the classrooms. Many others have it, but the point is since July. There have been a number. The board meets every month, okay? The State sure. Board of Education meets monthly. It's three days. They come in on a Sunday, and they're done on a Tuesday once a month to do all the board business and the votes and things like that. Now, again, in Ohio, we have a state board. It's got 17, excuse me, 18 members. 11 of them are elected from the various regions. We have 11 state board districts. Each one of those districts is the size of three state senate districts which means they are representing over 1.1 million people per state board district, okay? Too big. Then we have seven members appointed by the governor. Now, don't kid yourself, he doesn't just have seven because anytime one of those elected seats comes open because of somebody moving out of state, dying, deciding they can't do the work anymore because of their business and everything else, or just deciding they've had enough of the garbage that goes on at the State Board of Education, the governor gets to appoint somebody to fill out the term, so he gets appointees. Governor's got a lot of appointees on this board. Matter of fact, there's a majority appointees on the board right now. That's when July well, they had a, they voted twelve to five. Well, five or five of them, I believe, were all the elected. The elected ones were all elected ones who decided <laughs> they didn't. They thought this was a bad idea. This was the wrong direction to go for the country. This is divisive, not unifying. Okay, this is not helping the academic standards of Ohio, it's actually destroying destroying it. Yeah. So from July every month they were holding and they have an open time on Tuesday for the public to be able to come in, register to come in and address the board on topics. Except this one. Because they've decided that they don't want to hear anymore from the public about this critical race theory in Resolution 22. So what they did was um, there's a group out of Cincinnati called Empower You, okay? Yeah. Which is a conservative 
educational foundation that really addresses these kind of topics, and they put on various seminars and things. And the head of their organization is a guy by the name of Dan Reckenold. Um, I know him. Dan's a great guy. Well, he was coming in to address the board on the issues with this whole idea of pushing critical race theory and how damaging it is to the academic environment. Not because he's a racist and he hates, you know, ethnic minorities, but because he realizes that you cannot, you cannot have any progress if everything devolves into the class struggle of Marxism, which is where this is going. Right. So he tried to address the board. Well, November of last year, he came in and did all the stuff you need to do to file and everything else. He'd been having conversations and emails with the president of the board, Laura Kaler, who basically is an appointee of John Kasich's. Uh. Who's been on, she's been there for a while. Because once you get appointed, you get four years. And once you get elected, you get four years. So there's an awful lot of time these people can be on the board causing damage. Too long. And, of course, the state superintendent of instruction, Paula DeMario, also supports this whole 1619 race project whatever it is uh so they get they hear from the department of ed they hear from all these these outside groups pushing we need to have this well again they passed this stupid resolution so dan's in there to explain to them and to ask them to consider revoting or to repeal the resolution and give it and have a lot more time to study what's going on and the effects that this is having in other areas well, as he goes in to testify in November, he's basically told right at the beginning of his testimony he can't talk about this topic. Why not? He is a member of the public. He's a taxpayer. They are a board of elected and appointed public officials in an open meeting. No, it's because one of the members of the board, herself a appointee, and I'm not going to give her name out right now, basically complained to the board president I don't feel safe if he gives that presentation <laughs> he's making me feel unsafe Chuck do you understand the ramifications and the potential damage when a elected official is able to shut down a person's first amendment rights to read to petition the government for redress of grievances because they don't feel safe about it right what what you've essentially done is you've shut off all discussion on the basis that um someone has a perceived feeling or i'll be quite honest how can you feel unsafe because someone thinks differently than you well see that's the whole problem again how do you disprove a negative right yes, exactly. that's, that's right. what we're getting down to it's, 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 it's try to prove a universal negative you, right you can't you can't and so what happened was he got shut down so he lost his ability and right under the first amendment of the u.s constitution and under the 14th amendment to petition the government for redress for, of grievances that's right and to have free speech uh-huh and the right to assemble in that manner multiple violations of the first amendment so last a week ago monday chuck his attorney kurt hartman who's a friend of mine i know him really well down in cincinnati he's a great guy former judge and he's he's now in private practice filed a lawsuit on dan's behalf against the State Board of Education and the five or six appointed members who are basically behind shutting down free speech because they don't want to hear the criticisms of the 
resolution that they jam through in order to try to force critical race theory teaching into our public schools. Do you think that that's going to stop them? Oh, of course not. Of course it won't. They're going to keep pushing this. Problem is, is now we're starting to see the dam is starting to crack on this. Because just yesterday, the state of Idaho passed a new law. And that law is to ban the teaching of critical race, race theory, theory in the public schools in Idaho. Yeah. I have a copy of that of that law now. Guess who? Guess what we're going to be doing? Because I'm working with Dan and then the group. We've got a large group formed to say we've got to push back against this because all this is is you are just basically trying to indoctrinate young people into Marxist thinking. That's all this is. You are trying to drive wedges. You are trying to isolate and, and marginalize people based upon immutable characteristics, yeah. which we all are supposed to be protected for. We just spent that time building yes. building the, the framework to show that critical race theory is Marxism. Yes. So what we're going to be doing now, since we know that the state board is going to basically go, we don't care, we're going to make them care. We're going to get legislators to pass a statute banning the teaching of critical race theory in Ohio schools. Watch for it. I'll let you know when we when the bill's introduced. But the point is, you know, we know that the left is going to demagogue this, that, oh, we're all a bunch of KKK members, and we're all part of the Nazi party, and we're all white supremacists, and we're all wanting to, like, lynch and hang and burn people. <laughs> no, what we're saying is, if you're going to teach history, teach it honestly. Teach it without spots. But then don't turn around and and rewrite history to say that, oh, because they did that historically, then you're guilty of it now. I'm not guilty of Hitler's atrocities. I'm not guilty of African colonial tribe leaders enslaving other tribes that they, that they conquer and then turning around and selling them to Dutch traders who bring them to the Caribbean and then up into the colonies. I didn't do that. Right. I'm not in favor of that. Never have been. You and I weren't in favor of the extermination of Indians in the West. No. I'm, I'm against the Armenian genocide. Yeah. I'm, I, I mean, let's put it this way, folks. If you put on those kind of colored lenses, you'll find a racist under every rock. Yes. But if you take the lint, those, those colored lenses off and look clearly with your eyes in 2020 vision, you're going to realize we're a pretty good country because the vast majority of the time, the largest swath of pe people in this country could care less about somebody's race. What we, we follow Dr. Martin Luther King. We're worried more about the content of their character, their integrity, their work ethic, than we are about whether or not they've got a darker t skin tone or a different shade of skin tone than we do. Or different shaped eyes or different colored hair. Or whatever or, it might be. Yeah, name something. I mean, for goodness sakes. It's like, so this whole idea, uh, Marx can only win if he creates disunity among a unified people. That's the only way Marxism has ever been able to win is to go in and create target classes that you can attack and marginalize yep. to weaken the class that's actually attacking them too so that then the marxist fixed is we bring in the centralized overarching government who we control so we can control all of you yeah we control everything okay that's an important point and uh i wish we had more time to discuss it but we don't okay you know what we think we want to know what you think www.principledpolicy.com 
That's principledpolicy.com. And we ask that you would join us again next week for another Principles and Policies.